praises each and every one. This is Apostle John Morton. I would like to welcome you to this edition of the Apostles Corner podcast. The title of today's message is going to be Creature or Creator. We'll start this broadcast in 60 seconds. Once again, I would like to welcome you to this edition of the Apostles Corner Podcast. Today is May the 21st year of our Lord 20 and 22. It's important that I go into today's message with somewhat of a gentleness. The Lord informed me that I have been educating his people, but not offering hope. Today's message is based on the two perspectives of the life that we might be living before the Lord and not even knowing it. The scriptures say to love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, all thy mind, and all thy soul. The problem is we can give him all of our heart, but our mind constantly wavers, and when the mind wavers, it's constantly attempting to change the endeavor of the heart. It's happened to the people of God many times throughout the Old Testament. I want to deal with one particular time that the people of God allowed their mind to waver. We go through situations in life. There are things that we need, deliverances we need, circumstances that we need fixed. A man stands up and he says, I desire to share the gospel of God with the world. He sets forward an effort to deliver the word. Somewhere along the way, he loses track with the anointing that sent him. Something I want you to understand is that there are so many that claim an anointing, but I want you to realize what an anointing is. It is not the power of God imparted in a man for him to choose. The anointing of God is his hand upon your works, upon your efforts. If you are doing the will of God, then his spirit sets an anointing in the accomplishment of what you are doing. But you know that men will often do the things of God, but they will do it to their own endeavor or by their own understanding or even to their own intent. Those who start under the anointing don't remain anointed by the hand of God. 
because their endeavors or their intents become personal or selfish. Many of us have gone through situations in life, even as myself, be it circumstances of addiction, the despairs of life, the pain of life, financial attack. And when we get to the end of ourselves, we learn to turn to God. We learn to look for what he can do, what he is saying in the midst of what we are going through, and we find our deliverance in him. The majority of us find him by seeking him through the fellowship. We get to a place in our life where peace is known again. Satisfaction has returned. But now we forget the element by which our deliverance came. We now serve the creature of our deliverance, which is the fellowship and the pastor, rather than the spirit of God that brought the deliverance. I wouldn't tell you this if the Lord had not given it to me and also showed me where to reveal to you that Israel did the same thing. Receiving the deliverance of God, but worshiping creatures because of the deliverance. I recall a very special friend of over 10 years. And when I was called to apostleship, I told the Lord, I can't do that. I will only disgrace you. And I fought and I ran, but I ran out of the fear of what I knew I was not able to do. I was in Atlanta, Georgia, visiting a pastor, and someone came to see him, and he introduced me to the individual, his apostle Wardell Sims. We spoke for a minute, and I walked out, and as I was approaching the door, Apostle Sims said, I'll talk to you again, apostle. And I spun around and looked at him, and he just smiled and turned his head. And I said, Lord, why did he say that? The next day when I saw him, he told me, the Lord said, you've been running for two years. And you're running because of what you're afraid you're unable to do. But it is what you are unable to do that causes the power of God to be made perfect in you. If you trust him with what you can't do, then you understand that everything is on the weights on him. Because of your inability, he said that my strength is made perfect in your weakness. But sometimes we can't accept that we have a weakness. We need to believe in our ability. Too often our ability is based on something else. The people around us, the elements around us, the things that we have come to trust. In any case... After I was mandated in the call to apostleship, I knew, I knew that my life would not be the same because an apostle is called to govern. Ephesians 4, 11, 16 says, and he gave some apostles, some prophets, some evangelists, some pastors, and some teachers for the perfecting of the saints, for the work of the ministry, for the edifying of the body of Christ. 
This was an order that God established. Till we come in the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God unto a perfect man, unto the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ, that we henceforth be no more children tossed to and fro and carried about with every wind of doctrine by the slight of men, with their cunning and craftiness whereby they lie in wait to deceive. But speaking the truth in love, may we grow up into him, into him in all things, which is the head, even Christ, from whom the whole body fitly joined together and compacted by that which every joint supplieth, according to the effectual work and the measure of every part, maketh increase of the body unto the edifying of itself in love. Apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, and teachers. This is the order that God established for the body of Christ with a purpose of maintaining its stability. But man has taken this order and flipped it upside down. They believe that they've placed the pastor at the top and the positions of greater responsibility have been placed at the bottom. The apostle was established as a governor. He is responsible to govern the church, to speak alignment where the things of God have been twisted, manipulated, or disavowed. This does not draw friends. It does not create relationships that stay. Merriam-Webster defines a nature as being a creative and a controlling force in the universe, an inner force or the sum of such forces in an individual. Men that are of the flesh are compelled by the nature of the flesh. But the nature of the modern-day apostle is not driven by attributes of the flesh, but through divine purpose of God. Many of us have come to know Christ. But these are they who have been compelled by profoundly being affected by the revelation of the spirit of Christ. That his works have become the driving force within them. These are they that are more than compelled to move upon the slightest directive of the Holy Spirit. For discernment of the spirit has come to live within them as a first nature. In the face of pleasing men or obeying God, the choice is always clear that there is no choice. Though they may be loved by many, times have shown them that they shall be persecuted by just as many. Still, they persistently bear themselves forward into the course that sometimes seems to offer no reward, knowing that they have been chosen to return the hearts of the people back to Father God. They relentlessly labor to do so, desiring no acknowledgement except that men might see that the hand of the Father is real through the commitment that they bear. Even as Christ, they command that men might rise to the fullness of their calling. Even as Paul, they understand that they might not remain in their company. This is the nature that God has established on a modern day apostle. And all who have come to know the Father through his revelation can recognize them. 
For the true messenger needs to prove nothing. God will reveal himself. This is the uncompromising spirit that God has commanded and empowered to bear witness of his intent before the people of God. The scriptures say how we can't trust just anyone who says, Lord, Lord, for many false prophets have come into the land. The word also tells us that we should try every spirit to see whether it is of God. It's sad to say that in every presence of the authority of the Holy Spirit, there still must be men to stand strong and firm for the truth. Because if they don't, lies will run rampant in the midst of what they believe to be the congregation of the Lord. It is the mandate of the apostle to govern the assemblies of God, that they may fully be accountable for the revelations of the Spirit. It is not a gift. It is a burden. It is a requirement that is beyond the physical ability of men except that a man be fully surrendered to the power and authority of the hand of God, that God's anointing rest upon their works, then their works will be nothing but damnation to them. This is the burden that I come with as an apostle to govern the church. I want to start today by discussing Israel at the time that they went into Egypt, there was a great famine in the land. And in that famine, as a matter of fact, why don't we read? No, we won't read the whole chapter. We're going to start at Isaiah 30. And we're going to read Isaiah 38 through 13. There was a famine in the land. Israel naturally was crying out to God. But little did they know that he had set a plan in motion 30 years prior. And that plan he put into motion set Joseph in Egypt as a governor. And when the famine came, there was a welcoming hand in Egypt for Israel to come there to obtain food in the midst of a squall. There was no water. There was, a, there was a drought which brought the famine on. But after coming into Egypt and finding the deliverance, it's almost like if you were walking down the street and a hailstorm started and you stepped into a strip bar. The place has become a haven in the moment. But it wasn't meant for you to remain there. You're there just For a moment, the Lord has allowed a haven to protect you from the situational issue outside. We've done this so often. We we find despair and emptiness in our heart. The Lord sends a woman and we worship her. All of our directives and intent become focused on her. We pray and ask the Lord for a job that is going to be sufficient for our needs. He gives it to us and then we forget about him. We spend most of our time celebrating the gift. The creature or the creator? Which one do you truly honor today? 
Isaiah 3, Isaiah 38 through 13 reads, the Lord was speaking to Isaiah and he said, for the Egyptians shall help you in vain and to no purpose. Therefore, have I cried out concerning this. Their strength is to sit still. Too often we're running, we're moving. We're asking God, what is he doing and what to do? But in the process, we're working out our own intellectual conclusion. Verse 8, the Lord said, now go and write it before them in a table and note it in a book that it may be for this time and forever and ever that this is a rebellious people, lying children that will not hear the law of the Lord which say to the seers, see not, and they say to the prophets, prophesy not unto us right things. Speak unto us smooth things. Prophesy deceits. Get thee out of our way. Turn aside out of the path and cause the Holy One of Israel to cease from before us. Wherefore, thus saith the Lord One of Israel, because you despise this word, and trust in oppression and perverseness, and you stay thereon. Therefore, this iniquity shall be to you as a breach, ready to fall, swelling out in a high wall, whose breaking cometh suddenly at an instant. Verse 7 expresses that God, God had cried out to their, they cried out on their desire to establish roots in Egypt. He even said that their strength would be trusted to find in Egypt had no purpose in his plan. And their strength was in standing still. That's the last thing we want to do when we feel like we can work something out is to stand still. But they would not hear God. This was the beginning of 430 years of being out from under the shadow of his protection. 400 of those years in total bondage to Egypt. All the way back in verse 1 of the 30th chapter, he said that Pharaoh's power shall become your shame. God knows the heart of his people, their level of commitment as well as their level of rebellion. When he knows that you are in a state of rebellion, he will make his desires clear, but in the face of rejection, he will send his prophet with the word of judgment against your choice. Second Timothy 4, 1 through 4 says, I charge thee therefore before God and the Lord Jesus Christ, who shall judge the quick and the dead at his appearing in his kingdom. Preach the word, be instant in season and out of season. Reprove, rebuke, exhort with all long suffering and doctrine. For the time will come where they will not endure sound doctrine. But after their own lust shall they heap to themselves teachers having itching ears. And they shall turn away from, turn away their ears from the truth and shall be turned unto fables. Where are we today? Are we serving the creature or the creator? Israel served Egypt. 
They served what they knew Egypt could provide. They saw Egypt as a haven given by the Lord. But they no longer worshiped the creator. They turned their trust to the creature. If we were to research the foundation of the word church, we'd find that it's translated from the word ecclesia, which means the called out ones. The question is, called out from what? Romans 12, 2 tells us, and be not conformed to this world, but be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind that you may prove what is that good, acceptable, and perfect will of God. As the body of Christ, we've been called to be evidence of the glory of God among men. And the evidence of that is found in the scripture where it says, be transformed by the renewing of your mind that you may prove, that you may prove, not see, not show, but prove, become evidence. The world church system today has proven everything but the good, acceptable, and perfect will of God. It has led the people of God on a pathway that is clearly lacking in the things of God, but conducive to the lust of man. The scriptures say that there's nothing new in the earth. And much of the contrary state that we see among the people of God is nothing but a continuation of what has been revealed in the past. When I think about how Israel embrace the point of deliverance that God gave them. I can't help but remember how often I've done that. The God of the mountain is the God of the valley. When you're in the valley and you're crying out to him because you need elevation, he's the same God once you rise. But we forget to let him stay above us. We essentially think that we rise above him. I read to you Ephesians 4, 11 through 16 of the order that God established. Apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, and teachers. God established this pattern for the perfecting of the church to help us to never come into the order of disarray that we have come to know. It's all right to fall short, but be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind. Every day we are processing something The question is, what you process today, does it develop hindrance in the midst of what you have already processed? Or does it allow growth of what you have already processed? What is it that matters the most to you today? Is it the secret things of God? He said, I I reveal the secret things to them that love me. They are things that the Lord can't tell me yet. Because I can't be trusted with them. And it's the same with a multitude of us. But I rest assured that the things I need to know, he will reveal. 
But I pray every day, Lord, deliver me from evil. But I mean the evil that might live in me that stops me from being receptive to the directive of your word. Today, the purpose of this podcast is that I might awaken a part within you that can say, I am sure that I don't have it together. I'm sure there's something greater that he desires to do in me this day that I may still be hindering. You were not called to be good Christians. On the day of Pentecost, it said from that day forth, they were called Christians. It was a ridicule. But the mandate was what love and mercy is this? The father has bestowed upon us. The father has bestowed upon us that we should be called the sons of God. It does not yet appear to be so, but when we see him, we shall be exactly as he is. This day, I encourage you to know the greatness of who he has established in you. That there is no hindering demon from hell that has power to take you out of the will of the life he's given you, except that you choose to not hear him, to not move in his direction, to not waver out of the course of your intellectual fortitude. God abides in the heart, but he desires to have a full real estate turnover. And if you don't, Everything goes from your heart to the intellect and the intellect will speak back to the heart to convince it to not believe what it has come to know, even as it did with Israel in the book of Isaiah. We look through the scriptures, we can find a multitude of times that the people of God stood in front of him and told him, we will not do as you desire. One of the biggest things I find is the final book of the Old Testament, the book of Malachi. Today in our fellowships, the book of Jude warned us of ungodly men that would crept, that have crept in unaware, that would use the mercy and grace of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ in utter lasciviousness. Lasciviousness is unbridled wantonness. You will do whatever you have to do to get what you want. And you don't care about repercussions. And what's happening among the people of God right now has an eternal repercussion, but there is no consideration of it. The book of Malachi was written to speak a judgment over the priests because they had cursed the knowledge that was being given to the people. They were leading the people the wrong way and they were even stealing the tithe. Tithe was not designed to go into a building and to serve just the building. It was designed to be a resource for the people. Our fellowships today, they get government grants so that they can help the community for free. And then the tithe they put in their bank account. And they grow their empire and their entity bigger and bigger every year at the hand of the people. There are fellowships that are true to the things of God. But those of you who are discerning, you know the ones that are not in tune to the things that are right by God. Malachi was a judgment against these men. and They used that very book to judge the people and to scare them into giving even what they may not have. 
plain and simple. It's up to us to decide what we know to be right with God and not right with God. But I encourage you today. I speak a word of hope. I proclaim by the glory of a God of all creation that thou art free from whatever Egypt has rested over your head. I command this day that every part of you that has been hindered from trusting him in the greatest things in your life, that those walls will be torn down, that the burdens in your heart will be set aside, and that your hope in him will be magnified. This day, I say, knoweth thou not the greatness of who the Lord has called you to be, that even that he might be magnified. Egypt or freedom, the creature or the creator. The choice is ours. God gave free will. I had someone say to me, why would God do this to us? Why would he give us free will when he knew that we would do this, that we would act this way? And the only response that could be given to them was, well, you have a son. Would you prefer that your son serve you because he loves you or serve you because you make him do it? He gives us free will because it's so much more glorifying to him when we serve him by choice. But you can't do that if you don't realize that there's a part of you that is serving a creature. 400 years later, the people came out of Egypt. And even though they came out, they still spoke about going back to serve the creature. It is the nature of man to focus on what we want. But what is it that God desires for you this day? It may be far more than what you even perceive. But a question not asked will not be answered. I compel you today that you would seek him about what it is that he wants to provide for you. What is it that you have hindered yourself from reaching in him? I command by the spirit of the living God that every heart within this podcast be opened and made available to the voice of the living God. I proclaim that every dark entity, every shadow figure in their homes and in their lives be removed, that they may be no more hindered by anything except for an inability to move. And in that weakness will the strength of God be made perfect. I proclaim victory over every voice that will speak against their growth I proclaim to every friend, family member counterpart that will doubt who they are Father bring before them this day those that will lift them before you enlightening them 
with understanding of your purpose for their life. This is Apostle John Morton. I want to thank you for the opportunity to reveal to you the things of the Lord God. But I tell you this day, if I have in any way affected your mind or heart, do not receive these words of yourself, but go before the Lord and get a confirmation. Because if you do not go to him, you may have just been altered by a spirit of witchcraft. But what God has said, he will confirm. May you be abundantly blessed in this day that all things, all endeavors of your day will be covered in the fullness of his grace.